0: Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. Here we will talk about doctrine and theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to respond and face these issues. Get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready to have your tables flipped. As a friend just told me recently, Table Flippers is flipping awesome. It's a phenomenal song. And I want to play that song and share that song with you.
1: 35 trips around the sun Since the good girl fell for the wild one You told me that your name was Rob Pursued me with passion and won my heart You won my heart, yeah We saw the world, baby, side by side Changing lives the way you changed mine Spreading love in South Africa Mexico, Israel, and China It's been a journey blessed by God Through the twists and turns He's made us strong Glaciers, ancient ruins And art on an island Or in Greece Home is your heart Home is your heart Yeah You fight for what You believe in I'm grateful one of those Things is me And that I found refuge In your love A man who's strong-willed and won't give up I know you'll never give up You've changed the world through ministry And together we'll leave a legacy In the lives of our four children Raised to love God, yeah, they still serve Him It's been a journey blessed by God Through the twists and turns, He's made us strong Seen glaciers, ancient wounds, and art On an island or in Greece Home is your heart Home is your heart
0: title of that song is Home is Your Heart. And it really is. I love being with my wife, being with my family. I love to travel. I love to go camping. I love to do all those things. But nothing comes close to my appreciation, my love for my wife, my family, and just wanting to be with them. And uh, we joke around. I kid around with them all the time, you know. But the, the, the truth is, and please don't tell them this because it'll give me away. But the truth is, I really appreciate my wife, my family, and I love being around them. And so when she wrote me the song, boy, that was a spectacular thing. I mean, it it just, it, it put tears in my eyes. And to top it all off, she played that song in front of everybody at the church at one of our events just before Christmas. <clears throat> and um, it wasn't what I would say is embarrassing. I'm just a tough guy. I don't cry. And here I am up there holding back tears because of how phenomenal this song is, and it just showed how much she loved me, and I was so appreciative of it. So, sweetheart, my, my heart is yours always, not just now, but always, and I so appreciate you. I appreciate that song, and I just wanted to share it with the world. Hello, this is Robert Ennis, your host of Table Flippers Podcast, and I hope already you're being blessed in this new year, and I want to talk to you about some things. There's so many things racing around in my mind and my heart because. We have a we have a lot to catch up on, a lot of work to do in this earth. As a matter of fact, um, <clears throat> again, if you go to my Facebook, you'll find some of these posts and such. I've been seeing more and more and more how people are starting to step up and step out and speak up. You know, we've we've found that these uh, COVID jabs I don't sit, call them vaccines, or I do my best not to call them vaccines because they're not vaccines, at least in the traditional sense. <music> This was an experimental drug that had nothing to do with COVID, to be honest with you. It had very little to do with COVID, at least, and it was experimental, and it was what we call a jab, because they jab you with a needle, of course, and I warned people, not just me. I'm not trying to take you know all the credit for this, but I warned people, and some of the people I know, not all, but some of the people I know warned people how dangerous this was, and it was going to lead to some big problems, and... Even from fellow ministers, pastors, preachers, and people that I thought were my friends. And the reason I say it that way, because they may still consider me their friends, but, you know, true friendship, you have to have some kind of camaraderie, you know? And and I found out we had very little. Because people I thought were people of faith aren't. People of character, they weren't. People that were strong, they weren't. Uh, I thought they were patriots, they weren't. I thought they were people that would stand up for righteousness, they didn't. And I was doing my best to do all this, and some of them really came against me. As a matter of fact, with everything that we now know about COVID, about these jabs, about people dying and why they're dying, suddenly dying, all because of these jabs that I kept warning people, please don't take this. You know, not one of my pastor uh, friends, those who came against me, those who, uh, I wouldn't say mocked me, but told me I was going to kill people, and all I wanted to do was see people dead, and I was gonna kill all the old people in my church, all this stuff, I had this. And I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. Zero faith. Well, let me take that back. Everybody has faith, but they had zero faith in the healing power and the miracle working power of God. They had more faith in fallen humanity, people such as Fauci, Biden, and his administration pushing all of these things. They had more faith in doctors that bought into this nonsense And no faith, even in the doctors that were speaking out against it. So it was just kind of a strange, weird time for me in that regard. But at the same time, in a very real way, it was a good time because it really showed me who my true friends were. So now we have all these people, uh, unfortunately, and I'm not happy about this at all. I wanted this to be one of those times that I was absolutely wrong on every level. I kept speaking against the jabs and people kept pushing it. I wanted to be wrong. I really wanted to be wrong. I kept speaking about COVID that, listen, it's very beatable if you get the proper treatment. As a matter of fact, I heard somebody say, there wasn't one person that died of COVID. There was many people that died from a lack of um, medicine and uh, treatments, denied medicines and denied treatments. But the actual COVID wasn't really the issue because we had treatments and we had medicines out there that could have saved, if not all of those people, many of those people. But they were denied that treatment. And they were just told, just wait for the jab, wait for the jab. The jab comes along. They get it. They feel good about themselves. They go about life. And isn't it funny? They still had to wear masks. They still had to double masks. They still had to stay away from people, even though they got the jab and, and they were supposed to be Okay. They found out real quick that they weren't okay. And then, oh, we need a booster. So they get a booster. Oh, we need another booster, another booster. And I think some people are up to like four boosters or more. But the point is, and, and the sad thing is, these people are dying. I mean, look at all the, these athletes and sports figures that are just dropping dead on the field. Just recently, we had that football player that just had a massive heart attack and literally died on the field. They were able to resuscitate him, but he was, I guess you would call it clinically dead. But nonetheless, he was pretty much gone thank God that they were able to bring him back. And I pray for him and I pray for his family and I pray that, he, that he's able to come back and gets this all sorted out. But, you know, um, I don't know this gentleman personally, but I would bet dollars to donuts that this guy was had to take the jab. And he probably had to take it because his bosses, you know, the owner or the managers or whoever of that particular team pretty much told him you either get the jab or you don't play kind of a thing. We see that all over the place. We we have seen that all over the place. And um, what are people doing now? They're getting sick. They're having all kinds of problems. And now people are coming back and suing their employers and suing these companies and such. And not all of them, but many of them are winning, winning these lawsuits. Why? Because they were told if you don't get this jab, you're going to get fired. Because many people got fired. A lot of people from the military. Now. It's just strange to me that we're dealing with this because, you know, it's going to sound like I'm really patting my back and honking my own horn. But for the sake of sounding arrogant and egotistical, I warned you. I I think I was pretty much a nonstop trumpet um, shouting. And I was posting on Facebook. I was posting all over the place. I was preaching about it from my own pulpit at the church. I was writing to uh, our local governments that, at that time, we're really big, pushing this, even threatening fines if they caught us uh, outside without a mask on, threatening to shut down our businesses if we didn't shut them down. Uh, we were threatened with jail time, with fines, we were with our businesses being taken away from us. And I was still standing up. I was I was uh, writing letters, and I was making phone calls, and I was preaching about it from the pulpit, and I was writing about it on social media, and. I had some people agreeing with me. I can't say that everybody out there didn't get it. Some people got it. But for the majority, I saw people caving to this. And then when the Jabs came out, oh, they were running to get the Jabs. They were running because they thought that was their hope. That was that was going to save them. This jab that Fauci told them to get. Fauci, good old Fauci. And now it's killing people. As a matter of fact, we have crossed that threshold where the number of people that have died with a vax or because of the vax, or a combination of both, has that number is greater than the people who've died from what they said was just COVID. Now keep in mind, and this is just a fact, this is just the truth, there was treatments out there that could have stopped many, if not all, uh, you know, most of those deaths. There was treatments out there. We're finding this out. We're knowing this now. It's coming out it's all coming out and they were denied those treatments as a matter of fact the treatment that was given to the people in the hospital was actually killing people there was a lady right here i i i knew her and her family i mean not super super well but well enough to know i know that girl and she had covid she had trouble breathing they sent her to the hospital and they had her you know just simply on oxygen and away from everybody and giving her fluids and doing the things that they were supposed to do and she was so scared because she did not want to be put in one of those you know, breathing machines, whatever they call them. She just did not want to. But her family wasn't allowed. Now, check this out. Her family was not allowed in the hospital to fight with her and fight for her. She was all alone. And she was scared. And she was crying. And her husband said, because she ended up dying. They said, they were going to go put you on the machine. Do you know that she died? She was doing okay up to that point. Struggling, but still making it she died on the way to getting hooked up to the machine completely terrified on the phone with her husband crying and wailing because she was so scared and they wouldn't let him in and they wouldn't let their children in so she died all alone a young mother and a young wife and the whole time i kept seeing the scenario play out i kept saying To myself, there is treatment. I kept sending him messages. There are treatment. Try this, try this. And they said, they won't even let us in the hospital and they won't listen to us. I call them and I tell them, try this, try this, try this, try this. They refuse. They're acting like God in this. And here's the sad thing. These doctors, these Fauci-driven doctors and nurses and hospitals trying to act like God, but what they ended up being was fallen gods that didn't help people but destroyed lives. I want I mean, think about that for just a moment. All the, especially the older people that are just scared and, and, and they're just they're just they're just frightened and they're put in a room by themselves, and their family isn't allowed to to come and see them. Their children aren't allowed to come and see them. Think about the mom who says goodbye to her child as the child is taken away into the hospital, never to return. Think about the husband, this husband, who had to say goodbye to his wife and she never came back because they failed her and they failed him and they failed all of us. Not giving her the treatment that would have saved her life. And again, I was shouting this and people weren't listening. People weren't listening. A matter of fact, I lost a lot of friends. And some might still call me friends, but I choose, I choose not to ever have any kind of real ministry, I should say, with them ever again. If I see them somewhere, I'll be cordial. I'll be nice. I'll shake their hands, ask them, hey, how you doing? Good. To see you. Goodbye. But when it comes down to ministry, I'm not going to waste the anointing on my life. I am not going to waste what God has given me. I'm not going to waste the years that I have put into this thing called ministry to develop what God has worked out in me this anointing and this ministry to have it muddied by the faithless out there pastor did you hear me and i say this to all of them that all of you that know me and all of you that don't know me i refuse to knowing muddy the waters of the ministry god has given me and entrusted me muddy those waters muddy that anointing with faithlessness or again it's not faithlessness like there's no faith wrong placed faith more faith in people like Fauci than in God. More faith in what f- the failed CDC and the World, uh, World Health Organization put out more than the word of God, the Bible. I refused that. I, I just refused that. I refused to muddy those waters. I refused to work with the people that, that had for so long kept pushing and pushing and pushing to the point that I was called foolish. I was called a murderer. I was, called, I was told I was going to kill old people. I was told uh, um, that I didn't understand scripture. I was told that I didn't really have faith in God, but I was being foolish. I was told all these things. Well, I wish I could sit here and be happy with this. I told you so. I am not. I wanted to be wrong. There was times I went to God in prayer, almost in tears, saying, Lord, please let me be wrong. Because if I'm wrong, Then all the people that took the jab, all the people that are wearing the mask, all the people that are hiding away, all that is gonna save their life. And I'll be the one that's, my neck is on the line. But look at me, I'm still here. Not one person in my church was lost. Not one. We stood strong. We preached a hard message. We prayed for the sick. We stood up. When we heard about some of these these medicines and these treatments that were uh, working, we did our best to get them. And make sure that it was available. No, we didn't break any laws, ladies and gentlemen. And I wasn't a drug dealer. That's not what we're saying. So please get that out of your mind if that's what's going through your mind. But there are some ways and there are some legal ways that you can get certain medicines that actually work. And quite frankly, for me, one of those treatments, if you will, if you want to call it a treatment, uh, was simply taking um, my supplements that you can get over at the local vitamin store. I was taking my D3 I was taking my zinc, I was taking quercetin, I was taking bromelain, I was of course taking the, um, you know, my vitamin C shot with the uh, minerals and such in it, I was also working out, I was uh, uh, um, making sure that I was working on my breathing, expanding my lungs and such, I was eating correctly and and uh, I'm not even going to say I didn't have it because I did, I, I got COVID, but I survived it, I, served, I survived it just fine. Came through it just fine. You know, I'm not saying it was fun. I wish that on nobody. It was a, it was terrible. It was like a horrible flu. But it certainly didn't take me out. Didn't even put me in the hospital. As a matter of fact, didn't even send me to a hospital. I just knew well enough to know, God, I did everything I no- need to know using what you have given me in the earth. Now I'm looking for a supernatural work to keep, to, to add to that and and, and propel me forward. And guess what? God did that for me. And God did that for so many people that I know. Because we just stood strong. And we stood right. And we stood up and we kept pushing in. So my point on all of that is, church, where are we? Forget the last two years for just a moment. I mean, you know, for just a moment. Where are we now? Where are we now? And who are we? And what are we doing? I was just on social media uh yesterday and I saw um, a little uh, a post from a denominational guy. I'm not going to name the denomination because I love this denomination on one hand, but I'm so disappointed with it on the other hand. So let's just leave it at that in that regard. But I'm not going to name the denomination. I'm going to do my best to, to not give it away just because I'm not here to smear it necessarily. Just bring about some issues that I see. And this isn't just with this denomination. It just happened to be that that post... Uh, reminded me of this and it really it frustrated me because I love the body of Christ. I love the church. I love what God is doing. I love his people. But when I see our, if you will, institutions or our churches becoming extremely weak and not um, living up to, if you will, what God gave for us, it really, it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart. So again, back to this <clears throat> denomination, and one of these head guys at the, at the top of this denomination puts out there, and he, and he talks a little bit about their past, how it was founded, who founded it. And this particular denomination was founded literally on a miracle ministry, a profound, powerful miracle ministry. The, the first uh, person that took the name that later on became the name of the denomination. This person operated in profound healing profound miracles, profound miracles. And this isn't just hearsay, okay? This is just hearsay. This isn't just somebody who said it, they made some things up. This is reality. My father-in-law, he just passed away, um, when was it, about two years ago, a year ago, about a year ago now. And he was in his uh, upper 90s when he passed away. But early on, when my wife and I were first married, we were were married like 30, how many years now? 32 years. It's been like, uh, heaven for me. So I forget the years. Love you, babe. But um, so he would actually tell stories of how his mother would take him when he was a little boy to these meetings of the founder of this particular denomination before it was a denomination, but this founder, and he would tell the stories of how even in the tent meetings, when it would rain all day and all night, and there was, uh, you know, it seemed like a, a six inches or a foot of mud at the what we call the altar area. And people would come up there. And at that time, a lot of the women used to wear uh, white gowns, white dresses, white gowns, you know, a a symbol of purity, I guess. But nonetheless, they would be there and they would uh, not only be ministering, help minister, but they would get ministered too. And so when this founder of this denomination would pray for people, they would often fall out in the spirit. Now, whether or not you believe in this or not, I'm not trying to convince you in all of these things. I'm just telling you what I was told from a first-hand witness, not something I read in a periodical or a book. A first-hand witness had such an impact made upon him that he remembered it all of his life, and later on, in his at that time he would have been, I guess, in his fifties, um, uh, upper fifties, sixty. He still remembered it clearly, and was relating these stories. Anyway, so she, this, this, this. Uh, um, minister would pray for people and they fall out in the spirit right into this mud right into this mud and since they weren't drowning they would just leave them there and correctly if God's working on them just leave them there let God work on them but when they came out of that moment and they stood up they weren't wet they weren't muddy there wasn't even dust on them they'd be walking around in all of that mud and it wouldn't even get on their shoes God was just doing such a spectacular work through this ministry that the mud didn't even get on them when they fell out in the spirit. So powerful was this ministry that another story is this um, minister called somebody up who had no arm, okay, and had other health health issues, but had no arm. So, called this person up and asked the person, you know, what do you want God to do? And the person started pouring out their heart, didn't even talk about his arm because it was just, uh, I guess they had just accepted, I don't have an arm and I never will have an arm. And was just pouring out, I want God to touch me here. I want God to do this in my life. I want God, and started having a conversation at the edge of the platform with this minister. And as this minister and this man with no arm is, is just talking and chatting so, so uh, the minister could understand how to pray and such, the people in the building started to cheer and roar and laugh and applaud. And of course it caught the man and the minister off guard and they look up and they say, what's going on? What, what, what? What's What's happening? And somebody uh, caught the minister's attention and said, look at his arm, look at his arm. And when they looked, not even the man without an arm realized this, but his arm, a hand started growing out where there was no arm. And it just was continually growing inch by inch, inch by inch and forming, taking shape. And the people saw it but the minister and the man didn't even recognize, didn't even feel it, didn't see it or anything like that. And and they, so the people started cheering and that caught their attention. Now they're watching this, everybody, the minister, the man, and they're watching this arm grow out. And when the arm was fully, here's the funny thing. And I don't mean ha ha funny. I mean, just awestruck kind of funny. This man didn't even get prayed for it in that sense, in that moment. They were just having a con- uh, conversation. But the atmosphere was so rich with the anointing and with faith that God just moved so powerfully on this man that wasn't even receiving prayer for that particular issue. And I could tell you so many other stories about this minister and then the beginning of this denomination. Now I say all that to say this, that I'm somewhat, uh, I, I understand and I know somewhat intimately, this particular denomination. And quite frankly, I don't know anybody in the entire denomination, and it's grown worldwide, in that entire denomination that over the last, well, even 100 years, has done what the founder has done, even close. And people would say, well, they're not called to. Listen, right now, that entire denomination, I know a lot of the young pastors and young preachers coming out of that school, they're not even close. They're not even being taught what their founder was taught. They're not even being taught how or they should or being told that they should operate in that kind of miracle-working power and anointing. They're not even being taught this. And it's it's so sad to me because here's an, an entire denomination that as it grew in number, also at least should have grew in power simply by a mere fact of increasing number. So let's say if you can measure the anointing in you know on a scale one to ten, let's say for just an example that this denomination leader was was operating at a level ten, the highest level of anointing possible. And I'm just kind of making this up to make a point. So please don't write in and say you got this wrong. You can't do that. I'm not doing it. I'm just drawing an analogy. So let's say the denomination leader was firing at a ten anointing, and then and and this denomination leader started a, a school. And many of the people came out of that school and was able to work miracles, but unfortunately not at a 10. So let's say they were at an eight. And then the next generation of, of, of graduates was say at a six or a seven. And over a period of time, 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, even long after that, um, the denominational uh, founder is gone, you would still think that worldwide, cumulatively, there would at least be a greater anointing just by mere fact that there's far more ministers, pastors, and churches with that carry that name of that denomination that started in miracles. But that's not the case. Many of them are coming out and they don't even want to re- um, speak about the blood because that could be offensive. Or speak about Holy Spirit because a lot of people are offended at that. They don't want to pray in tongues, at least in the open, because it might offend people. They want to pray for the sick because that might offend people. They're so worried about offending, offending, the non-believers in the church. We're not talking about the non-believers in the world. The non-believers in the church, who, for at least in my estimation, are saved. They're going to heaven. They're so worried about offending people who are already heaven-bound and not worried about offending Holy Spirit, offending God, offending Christ and the Spirit of Christ, and offending, and I don't mean this directly like this person could come and talk to them, but offending their founder in that regard. It was started in miracles. It was begun by somebody who operated and walked in miracles. And then the same denomination that this founder brought into existence with the idea of healing and miracles to remain in that now there's they're walking away from it stepping away from it not teaching it in the school the way they should and even if they taught it from an academic point of view they're certainly not teaching it from the um perspective of being able to do it and accomplish it i i find that very 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 sad because it's not being pressed it's not being uh taught, trained at a level that's releasing people into their miracle working ministry. I don't know about you, but that's one reason why I'm not a denominational guy. Early on when my wife and I, we pioneered our church, we were told by a couple different, different, um, actually three de- different denominations that we knew people in and they were saying, why don't you come over here and be part of us? Why don't you come over here and be part of us? Three of them. <clears throat> and I, I didn't feel peace about them at all. As a matter of fact, one of them, I didn't really feel fully peace about it, but I kind of caved in and started going that route. Uh, and and honestly, it was, it was such a weird thing. We were asked to be a part of it. We were told we need to be a part of it. And I wasn't fully into it, but it's like, well, you know, I have all these people. Maybe I should look into it. We started going that route. And some things happened that just blew that up out of the water. And we, I mean, it was strange. It was just, I, I don't have time to get into the whole story, but basically we, we were stabbed in the back. We were lied to, lied about, treated very disdainfully. We were told that we would come in and get certain credentials because of all the years that we were in ministry and all that we had done at that point. And then when they, when it came down to the offering, Harry, we're going to do this for you. It was like not anything that they told us. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? What is this? You basically promised me like a full-fledged pastoral position and you're giving me some kind of un- underling position and in that position i'm not even allowed to pastor a church which i have already been doing what am i supposed to do give up my church to you guys it was the strangest weirdest nonsensical political nonsense and we just said no forget it we're going non or we're staying non-denominational and we're going to press forward and i haven't looked back and i don't regret it at all I hate church politics. I hate denominational politics. And and that's what we got away from. Now, I, I said all of that, even in regard with COVID, to basically say this. When COVID hit and they were uh, demanding that churches shut down, I sent, I wrote up a, a, a letter. Um, I typed up a letter about the COVID and about uh, our rights constitutionally, I, about who we are biblically, about faith, about healing, about deliverance. And, and even about the backgrounds of uh, two or three of the uh, Pentecostal charismatic churches and denominations, you know, your denomination was founded on miracles, on healing, deliverance, and such. And I sent it out to well over 300 churches and the denominational heads at the, if you will, the corporate level and also the regional levels of, of, of um, at least three different Pentecostal denominations and then some other churches as well. But those three I really focused on. And do you know what? Only one, one person that received my letter, and I did it snail mail, I did email, uh, all of that. Only one person wrote back, one person, well over 300 in a time of what I felt was crisis for the church, not so much the world, but the church, because the church needed to stand strong and against all the uh, um, uh, 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 the, the government, trying to shut us down. We needed to stand up against that and all that. One person wrote back, and I'll never forget basically what he wrote. He corrected my spelling. I misspelled a word. It wasn't a major misspelling. I believe I left out uh, like an exclamation. I don't know, whatever. He he corrected my grammar. I'll put it that way. He corrected my grammar in one spot. That was it. That was it. So while the world is looking for somebody and something to believe in, something to, as a support, something... To bring answers in a time of crisis or what they feel is crisis when they don't know what to do the church shut down and not just any church i expect that of non-spirit-filled churches i expect that of churches that don't believe in healing and don't believe in miracles and such i expect that in churches that weren't founded in miracles and upon the miracle power of god i expect that from those churches i do not expect that from our charismatic pentecostal churches i don't expect that from our full gospel churches So when I see the full gospel churches, the charismatic, the Pentecostal churches who claim, hey, we believe in healing. We believe in miracles. We believe in signs and wonders. And they were shutting down. I realized the church has fallen to a very low place. What do we really have to offer the world? And somebody will say, well, we have salvation to offer. Prove it, prove it. You see, miracles and healing, signs and wonders is the proof that Jesus saves. When you shut down the church, Because of a disease and you don't bring the miracles, signs and wonders and the healing and the deliverance. You have no proof that this Jesus we proclaim will save anybody. Here at my church, we never shut down. We stood strong. We we took the threats. We took all the people making fun of us. We took the angry. We started getting hate mail. We started getting death threats. And I am not kidding about this and I'm not making this up. We were getting death threats at that time. We were getting threats from the community. We had threats that they were going to burn down our coffee shop, burn down our church, that our kids would be killed. We had all kinds of threats, but we stood strong. We didn't cower out. And I wish I could say that for this denomination that I love, but I've been watching fall, fall from its grace, fall into depravity, fall into complete and total cowardice and weakness. I wish I could say that they stood strong, but they didn't. And I could say that about several denominations. Many of the churches in these denominations shut down because the denomination itself demanded it. What have we become, church? Where are we at today, church? Where are you at? Are you going to stand strong? Are you going to stand against tyranny? Are you going to stand against the works of the enemy, the works of darkness? Are you going to stand against COVID if they try to pull that one again? Are you going to stand against any of these things that strip us of our God? given rights, and freedom. I hope you stand strong. It's 2023, January 4th. I hope you have a fantastic year. And again, I want to ask you to do a giant favor for me. Download these podcasts. Download this podcast. Download all the podcasts. It gives me a clearer picture of who's listening, who's tuning in, and where you are at. For some reason, they've chosen the, uh, anal- to, to, to adjust the analytics to only pick up the the shows or the episodes that have been downloaded by people so if i look up there and i see 10 people downloaded it there might be a 100 people listening but only 10 of those 100 downloaded it so if everyone downloaded it then it would give me a better picture of how many people are listening and where you're listening from now you can you can uh get rid of it once you've downloaded it listen download it listen to it then erase it that's fine It just picks it up when it's downloaded. So if you could do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Write in, let me know how we're doing and let me know what I could do better. God bless you all. And here's to a great 2023. I hope you go and check out our merchandise page. We have hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I just got in my own hat and I've been wearing it. I've been getting a lot of compliments on it. It's a fantastic hat. My daughter designed all of these, but we have hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. And if you go to tableflippers.com, that's tableflippers.com, and use FREEDOM as your promo code, you'll get a discount. Fantastic stuff, beautiful stuff, and it'll help me, it'll help you. And together, we'll be flipping awesome. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers Podcast. I'd really love to hear from you. Please look us up on the web at www dot gwcclancaster one word dot org that's gwcclancaster dot org or you can email me at gwccrobert at gmail.com i'd really love to hear from you please let us know how we're doing keep all those comments coming until next time you all have a great and a blessed day